Let me read from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to him, said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. I want to say today that being in a relationship team with a task or a job or a mission, a shared mission, being in a relationship with a shared mission is the highest and most fulfilling thing and calling that you can ever do and have in your life. It is the, it is the pinnacle of human fulfillment. Being in a team of people working together, you love and respect each other and you're working for something that's important, is the best thing, the most fulfilling thing that you can ever be and do. I remember at the age of 21 being in a a volleyball team, we were playing for my country, we were in the, the B team and we were in a tournament playing against several other countries and we um, were the underdogs, nobody expected us to win but we just gelled as a team so well and we just really thought, you know what, we're the underdogs nobody thinks we'll do anything but we're going to show them and we progressed and we progressed, we did amazingly well in this tournament and I remember looking back on that, there were people from all different backgrounds um, just such diverse group of people And yet we joined together and it was an amazing experience. It's something I'll never forget for my whole life. The camaraderie and the excitement and the, wow, we can do this. It was an amazing experience. I remember another time, a few of us, about six or eight of us, decided to canoe down the Zambezi River. Um, a very wild part of the Zambezi River. There's no civilization for hundreds of kilometers around. You're just in the middle of the bush. There's just eight of us, one little um, tour guide with a, with a gun, and then boats and oars, and we've got to get from point A to point B, and there's wild animals all around. It was an incredible experience, and I remember just thinking, we bonded and we're doing something together. We've got a bit of opposition and challenge. There's also beauty all around us. It's something that'll live in my memory for the rest of my life. And this story about Peter and his 
associates is a picture of that, and it's a picture of what God wants for us all as Christians. And that's to be an amazing relationship, first with Him, but then with others in a team achieving a goal. And it's a simple message today. Just two points. God wants us in relationship, and He wants us to be achieving a goal. And it's important that we get those two things together right. It's not just a task or a goal, and it's not just a relationship. If we just get the one or the other, we get our Christianity out of balance. And if it's all about relationship, then we just it, it becomes very inward focused. And, and we're all just kind of, oh Lord, we love you and all that. And he's saying, but what about the task? If it's all about task and no relationship, it just becomes religion and effort and self-work. And actually, we're not saved. Remember Martha and Mary? Mary was in relationship with Jesus, listening to his words. Martha was busy just doing, doing, doing. Jesus said, only one thing's important, just to have relationship. And, and Mary's chosen the right thing. It's not that Mary was not going to do anything for the Lord, but she got relationship right first, and then task comes out of it. So that's all I want to say today is relationship and task. And I just want to look at this story together. The amazing thing is that the relationship part of the story builds. You see Jesus and Peter's relationship, and you see Peter's relationship with his teammates, with his, his other workers. And it's just a beautiful story. So let's look at it together. <clears throat> Luke 5 verse 1, it says, So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, and the fishermen had gone from them and were men- washing their nets, mending their nets. So this is about a year into Jesus' ministry. It's very important that we get the context of this. A year after Jesus has started his ministry, a year after Jesus has met Simon Peter, a whole year has passed. A year is a long time. You know, many times we read the story and we think this is the first time Peter met Jesus. It's not. Jesus and Peter knew each other quite well by now. A year earlier, it says in John, when Jesus first started his ministry in John 1.35, it tells a story. It says, the next day John stood with two of his disciples. So John the Baptist is standing there. There's two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and seeing them said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi. Where are you staying? He said, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. One of the two who heard John speak was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, son of Jonah. You will be called Cephas which is translated a stone. So Peter had met Jesus right at the beginning when he got baptized by the Jordan. He'd met him then. Then there's another story in Mark chapter 1. Another time when Peter had met Jesus. Listen to this one. As Jesus was going by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James and Zebedee, 
the son, of, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. Now, many people think this is the same story as this one in Luke that I've just read, but it's not the same story because the, the setting is different. There's not a big crowd. They, in here, in, in this story in Mark, um, it said they were casting a net in the sea, but in this other story, they'd finished fishing and they were washing their nets. And the, the big catch of fish isn't mentioned. And also, there's several miracles that happened after this meeting in Mark, which happened before the meeting in Luke. So, this is another time that Jesus had met Peter and he'd said to him, Come and I'll make you fisher, a fisher of men. And Peter had followed him, but then he'd gone back to fishing. It's amazing. I don't have time to go into it too much now, but you can study it, and I, I can speak to you afterwards and show you. It's amazing how the chronology, definitely Peter met Jesus and was called to be a fisher of men before this time in Luke when, when Jesus called him again. And then there's another story in Luke 4 verse 38, about just a, a few verses before the story we've just read today. And it says, Jesus arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house, and Simon's, mother, Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and served them. So what I'm trying to show you is that there's an amazing history here. Peter has been building a relationship with Jesus. He's been following him. He's been listening to him. Jesus has even been into Peter's um, house and healed his mother-in-law. And over all this period, there's been a building relationship and a building trust. And Peter has followed Jesus to a degree, but he's still working as a fisherman. And now we read this story in Luke 5. And Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Simon, Peter, and his friends and associates had been fishing all night. The fishermen used to fish at night. They didn't fish in the day. At night, they caught more fish. The fish couldn't see the nets properly at night, and there was much more fish to be caught. And they'd fished all night. They were tired. And in the morning, they would get out from the water, and they would wash their nets. And they were, they'd caught nothing. They were frustrated. They were exhausted. Jesus comes along. He, starts, he brings his crowd with him, and he starts teaching. And then he says to Peter, please, will you just push me out a bit from the shore so that I can preach without everybody crashing around me? So Peter's boat that he used for his job, became Jesus' pulpit, which in itself is an amazing lesson there. Your job can become a pulpit for Jesus to preach through. But Peter speaks. Jesus speaks from Peter's boat to the crowd, and Peter's listening there. He's tired. He's frustrated. I know this Jesus. I've followed him a bit. He's healed my mother-in-law. I know something about him. And he's listening to these words coming out of Jesus' mouth, words of healing and life. And the crowd are getting helped to various degrees. Different people are hearing different things that they need to hear. And then an amazing thing happens. Verse 4, it says, When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. 
And when they had done this, <laughs> they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. And then they called their partners who came across. They all tried to bring in these fish. They started filling up both their boats, and both boats started to sink. Can you imagine how many fish are being caught that it's causing the boats to sink? Something amazing is happening here. A miracle is happening. Um, Just a couple of lessons from this. Peter is tired. He doesn't feel like doing what Jesus says, but he does it anyway. He's, he's emotionally tired. He's physically tired. And Jesus says, just, just do this thing. Just push out. Just let down the nets. And Peter does it. Imagine Peter hadn't done it. Imagine he'd said, oh, I'm just too tired, Lord. I'm oh, just too tired. I can't go to church this Sunday. Lord, I'm just, oh, it's so, I'm just, I've had enough. I can't do this prayer meeting. I can't do this extra thing. There's a place for saying, Lord, because you said it, I will do it, even though I don't feel like it. Isn't there? There is a place for that. There's a place to say, Lord, you said give 10% of my income. Lord, it doesn't, I can't afford it. It doesn't make sense. But God, because you said it. There's a place where we say, Lord, I will do what you say. And the results are always supernatural. Not out of duty, not trying to earn anything, but just because, you know what, Lord, you know better than me. You do. Peter does this, and an amazing miracle happens. I mean, Peter's a professional fisherman. He knows what he's talking about. He's done this his whole life, and he's never seen anything like this. He's never seen this miraculous provision. Miraculous, supernatural provision. You can work with your own strength in your own way, in your job, or whatever it is you're doing, and you will never see the results that God can produce through you work through your hands, through yourself. You'll never see it like he can. It's an amazing thing that God can do where he blesses and breathes life into something and it just becomes supernaturally blessed. Your marriage, your family, your work, every single area of your life. The results, the response from Peter is amazing. It's almost overboard. He says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Something happens here. I love this story because it's so real. It's a relationship building where Peter, you know, hardly any of us give away control of our lives just like that. We need to... Check it out a bit. And this is what Peter's been doing for a period of months. And eventually he gets to the place where he's ready. And this miracle just was the thing. It was the catalyst that got him to the place where he fell down on his knees in front of Jesus. He said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. I can't, I can't serve you properly. He was open. He was transparent and bare before the Lord. It was like he was saying, you are Lord. I'm not. I'm now. Look, this is me, Lord. Your God. Amazing thing happened. This miracle just opened his eyes and, and took him to that next stage. I wonder where you are today. You know, I've, I've searched my own heart many, many times. And reading this story again this week, it's, it's really made me search my heart. Where am I? Have I got to the place where, for whatever reason, I'm just serving Jesus, following him, listening to his words, but I'm not fully abandoned to him? where I'm not fully at his disposal 
Have I got to that place? And do I need to do what Peter did and just say, Lord, I'm now ready. I'm now ready. Something significant happened that day. And that's when Jesus said, now you're going to catch men. And it says Peter and all his um, associates left everything and followed Jesus fully from then on. From then on, they were with Jesus 24 hours a day. I wonder where you're at. You know, there's no embarrassment. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with admitting I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. My work is still very important to me. Um, and my money is mine. And my family is... I'm not willing for God to interfere with that. And my spare time, no, I'm not ready. Whatever it is. There's nothing wrong with admitting that. But I just want you to know that if you really want to follow Jesus... You're going to have to come to this place where you give it all up. Not give it up completely and say, Lord, I'm throwing in my job. But Lord, here's my job. It's yours. Here's my boat, Lord. You can preach from it. <laughs> here's my family. Here's my spare time. Everything I am, Lord, it's, it's yours. Take me and use me, Lord. And when you get to that place, it is the most wonderful, fulfilling, exciting place to be. Absolutely amazing. The catch of fish that came in is just proof of how God will bless and use you. You know, there's another story in the Bible which is very similar to this in Mark chapter 10, where it says a rich young ruler came to Jesus. And this man came to Jesus and he said, Lord, what must I do to be saved? Um, what, what, must, what good thing must I do? And basically Jesus led him through a discussion and he said, one thing you lack Go away, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come take up the cross and follow me. And this man was sad at his word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. These two stories for me are very parallel. There's Peter and there's the rich young ruler and Jesus effectively says the same thing to both of them. Come, give it all up. Not, not necessarily give away everything but be willing to give away everything for me. And Peter said yes. And the rich young ruler said no. And he went away sad. You know, it says that Jesus looked at the rich young ruler and he loved him. And he said, give it all up and follow me. He was calling him to be another disciple. We sometimes think there were just 12. There would have been another one if that rich young ruler had said yes. How many times do we miss the opportunity which Peter took? Absolutely amazing and exciting. Right, let me move on to the relationship side of things. Peter and Andrew's brother and James and John were a team. They were a business unit. They owned boats, two boats. They used to fish together. They used to work together. They, they were a, a company. They were a fishing company. Peter Private Limited, whatever you want to call it. They did fishing and they worked together. And Jesus took this little family business relationship thing and he said you guys come let's make a team come into relationship with me and together we're going to catch men just like you've been catching fish we're going to catch men Jesus the relationship was built and now Jesus said there's a task it's not just relationship 
It's not enough just to love Jesus. There's a task. He says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. He gives us a job. The job must never come before the relationship, but there is a job. And the two go together. And if we don't get both, our Christianity is empty and half-hearted. It's not the real thing. And so Jesus says, right, now we're in good relationship. Now we've got a team. We're bonded. We've, we're together. Now we're going to do the job. Now you're going to catch men. Just like you've got the nets and you've cleaned them and mended them and you've worked and you've put the boats in the right place and you've fished and you've caught up fish. Now we're going to do that with people. And I want to say the same applies to you and me. If we haven't joined with a team of other Christians worshipping Jesus, but to do the job, our Christianity is never going to be what it could be. You're going to have a, a second-rate Christianity that's not enough. I just want to make a few points here as I try and conclude and bring this together. Number one, provision. Provision. What are the things that would stop us doing this? What are the, the problems, the arguments that would come up in our minds and say, I can't do this? Number one is provision. We say, Lord, how am I going to feed my family? If I, if I serve you, if I say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you, even if I don't give up my job, but my job is now for you, and I start giving and I start you know, putting all my life in, in the right order where everything's for this relationship in this task. How, how's my provision going to be? Am I going to be all right? And this story, as well as many other verses in the Bible, are so clear. God is able to provide above and beyond all that we could ask or imagine. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. It wasn't just enough fish. <laughs> Jesus, there was so much fish. It's an amazing miracle. How did Jesus do it? I mean, how did he get all these fish to all swim into the net? He must have just, I don't know, the Lord's power must have been calling fish from all over the lake, saying, come on, come jump in this net. Amazing miracle. And God can do it for you. It's not difficult for him. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And obviously from this we see he owns the fish in all the seas as well. He can do anything. He hasn't forgotten the recipe for manna. He can give you manna if you need food. He hasn't forgotten how to tell a raven to go and get meat and bring it to Elijah. He can do that for you. The Lord can provide for you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He says don't worry about what you'll eat, what you'll wear. All these, all these things that the pagans run after. For your father knows what you need. He loves you more than he loves the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. He'll provide. It's an important lesson. It's an important one. We need to settle it in our minds and then keep reminding ourselves of it. Because, you know, the world keeps saying, have you got enough? Have you provided? Have you thought? All these adverts that try to make us scared. Have you thought about what if this terrible thing happens? Have you, have you put aside enough for this terrible disaster that will happen? Have you bought this insurance for this horrible thing that might happen? And the Lord says, trust me. The world runs after all these things, but your Father knows what you need. Don't worry. Don't worry. Seek first His kingdom. That's an important lesson.
Amen? It's a big one. It's a big one. And it's not going to be a logical thing. It's not going to be, well, when my mind is convinced, then I'll do this. No, no, it's a faith issue. You say, Lord, you said it in your word. I'm trusting your word. Not because it makes sense on the budget or my bank statement or my bank manager or my accountant agrees. Lord, you said it. And I can testify he's faithful. I've seen it so many times. He's faithful. He can provide more than enough. Jesus put so much fish in the boat that he was saying to Peter, don't worry. It's going to be okay. I've told you the story before about the pizzas at Bible school. But I'll tell you again. We were at Bible school and um, my wife was working in a little medical uh, practice on the Bible school campus and they were having a, a staff party that night where everyone had to bring a pizza and a drink. And my wife came home from work and she was crying and she said, We can't afford a pizza. I can't afford a drink. I've got to go to this party and I've got nothing to take. Are we going to be poor if we serve the Lord for our whole lives? And literally within half an hour, I got a phone call. And there was a restaurant down the road and they'd phoned the Bible school. They said, we don't know what's happened, but we've made too many pizzas. Please, will you, your people just come and pick up as many pizzas as they want? And we went down and we literally got a pile of pizzas. It was, I don't know how many, 10, 12, 15 pizzas. Bron took pizza to the party for everyone, not just for her. And drinks. They were giving away drinks as well. And it was like the Lord was saying, just don't worry about that, ever. Ever. Settle it in your mind. It's not an issue. I can provide for you. (laughs) He will meet our needs. He always will. And not just the, the, you know, scraping by needs. More than enough. Over and abundant. And then this whole relationship thing. I'll make this my last point. God works in teams. Jesus worked in a team. You know, Jesus could have done his ministry on his own, but he decided to involve Peter and all the others, Andrew, James, John, all these other guys. He involved a team. Why? Because God loves teams. If Jesus wanted a team, I promise you and guarantee you, you and I need a team. None of us in the Christian walk can do it on our own. It is impossible. None of us has all the gifts, and none of us is strong enough and can see everything that we need to see. We need each other. I have some gifts, but I don't have the gifts that others have. And only when I'm in a team will I be able to serve the Lord properly. It's very tempting to think, well, I'm just going to do this on my own. It's just you and me, Lord. We're just going to show these guys. And everybody else doesn't understand me. Nobody wants to be with me. But Lord, I'm just going to do it, Lord. Just you and me. And Jesus says, no, no, it's teams. You need to find, I need to find people who will work together with us to achieve what God wants us to do. And it's the relationships. It doesn't mean we're all the same. It doesn't mean we identical or that we, you know, like even the best of buddies, but we have a love and a respect and the relationship grows. We work together. We say together we can do this. I can't do what you can do. You can't do what I can do. But together we work. They're not huge teams either. Jesus had a team of 12. I believe teams are are not supposed to be massive. I think, you know, 12, 20 people at the most achieve a task. If you get too big, 
it, it doesn't work anymore. It's small teams, three, four, five, ten, a few more than that. And we work together. We say we're going to achieve a task. And in our church, I would love it if little teams sprung up. Little Tim said, you know what, this is our, this is our project. And we get together and we, there's mutual love, trust, and we're going for something. That's how God works. If you're isolated as a Christian, you're vulnerable, but also you're not going to be effective. You need to find people who you can be honest with and open and say, this is me, failing, failings and strengths. This is who I am, and I'm committed to you guys. You're committed to me. We know what we're trying to do. Let's do it together. Not, well, I might be in this team next week. I'll see how the Lord leads. <laughs> you know, I'm with you for now, but hey, I don't know. You know, a better team might come along in two weeks' time and so I'll, No, there's, there's a certain, it's not, it's not rigid commitment, but it's, I can rely on these guys who are with me, and they can rely on me. The Lord may lead us to do something different, but it's not going to be every week we chop and change. I know who the team is. We know each other. We trust each other. We rely on each other. If you're not in that, you need to find that. And a church is the best way, the best place to find that. Awesome. Awesome. So what are we saying? Let's, let's conclu- conclude. Can you just, if you wouldn't mind, close your eyes with me. Let's focus on the Lord. Imagine the scene and imagine you're Peter. And I'm going to ask you today, where are you in your relationship with Jesus? Are you following him from a distance, but he hasn't got all of you yet? Or have you committed fully? Have you laid it all down? Have you fallen at his feet and say, Lord, whatever you want, you are God and Lord and I will follow you whatever. Have you got to that place yet? Are you there? Are you ready? Are you ready to give him everything? When he says something, you say, yes, Lord. I'm going to ask you if you're brave enough and if you're ready today to make the same decision that Peter made that day. To say, yes, Lord, today is the day where I say, you have my life. You have my checkbook. You have my marriage. You have my hobbies. You have every part of my life. If you say something, Lord, you are right and I will submit to you. You are Lord. Think about that for a moment, folks. And if you're ready and you're willing, just say yes in your heart. He's asking the question, just say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Whatever you say is right. Whatever you say about my marriage, my relationships, the way I deal with other people, business dealings. Whatever you say is right, Lord. It's not my opinion that matters, it's yours. You are Lord of my life. And then secondly, I'm going to ask you, are you in a relationship, daily relationship, loving relationship with Jesus and with other Christians? Or are you alone? Are you a lone ranger? Are you in a loving, close relationship with Jesus and with others?
And if you're not, decide today. Today's the day I'm going to do something about that. And then thirdly, are you doing a job? Are you part of a mission for Jesus? Or are you just all about relationship and there's no task? Are you part of what he's doing in fishing for men? And if not, do something about it today. Say, I'm going to get involved in the mission. I'm going to be part of doing what God is doing. In this church or somewhere else, but I'm going to be part of the mission. I'm going to ask James and the team to lead us in a song. And in that time, I really would ask you to think about these three questions. Is he Lord? Am I in relationship? Am I doing a job? And really just make today the day that just like Peter, your life is set on the right track. Let's worship together.